You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Today we'll be discussing how to avoid post-operative sensitivity when using the total etch technique. Our guest is Dr. Rolando Nunez, currently the manager of clinical affairs for BISCO, with a dental degree from Central University of Venezuela and a master's degree in biomaterials from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Dr. Nunez, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk. Thank you for inviting me again, Dr. Klein. It's always a pleasure to come here. Yeah, so to begin, why is total etch prone to causing sensitivity? And why is total etch considered more technique sensitive? Okay, I would agree with your second question, you know, or second statement. Uh, total etch technique is more technique sensitive. Yes, I, I am not going to agree with the fact that people say that total edge causes sensitivity. I don't think that's true. I think that it is more challenging, you know, from a clinical perspective to do a proper total edge technique. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. A lot of people do it all the time. However, when you use a total edge technique, you're going to remove the smear layer from the dentin and you're going to open up the dentinal tubules. That's a fact. You cannot run away from that. And now you have also exposed collagen. That's another fact, okay? Now you have to make sure your collagen is properly moist or properly uh, or protected, okay? You cannot use air to remove the excess water from after rinsing the, the edge. And you have to make sure you keep that dentin moist. You, you reach a proper level of moisture that uh, will be tolerant to your adhesive application, and you gotta make sure that your adhesive properly seals, properly infiltrates the collagen exposed network and properly seals the dentinal tubules. So there is a challenge and it is more sensitive. You need to understand that moisture control is very subjective. It's not something that you can measure properly. It's a subjective and an abstract concept. So that's why I see more and more people making mistakes and people encountering post-op sensitivity when they use this technique. But it's because of the sensitivity of the technique, but not necessarily because the technique is a bad technique. So this, this question wasn't in your original uh, questions that I was going to ask, but I'm just curious, with all the R&D going on, Dr. Nunez, what do you see in the future regarding uh, bonding? Are, are we looking at the same process, but just variations of it years to come? Or are we doing some R&D right now where the clinician could sit down and bond restorative, direct restorative procedures to dentin and enamel in a different way? Do I have to sign a non-disclosure agreement to answer that question? <laughs> you could just make a general <laughs> statement. Yeah. No, no, you don't have to give any right. details. Okay. Uh, whatever whatever no, you feel you comfortable know, answering. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the way I see it, the way I see it, uh, there are different paths that R&D, uh, the people that do research on biomaterials and restorative materials, different paths. You have, from a bond, from a, an adhesive point of view, you have people that are doing research with different monomers in order to increase bond strength, bond stability, you know, um, to avoid hydrolysis over time. Um, and so that's one way of looking at it, you know, one way of approaching it. And then you have other people that are developing uh, products that will induce remineralization 
uh, that will have some kind of um, antimicrobial or antibacterial effect, you know, on the dentin that would bond to carious dentin, you know, to caries, just bond to caries or, or, or adhesives that will arrest the carious process. That's from an adhesive point of view. And then you got the other guys that are developed, trying to develop the restorative materials like a, a, a composite that will self-bond. We already have self-adhesive cements. The problem is that a, a cement is, has lower viscosity, so you can actually generate some bonding. It's not as high as a primer if you use an adhesive, but you will get some bonding. Now, but you got people looking at chemical structures that will allow for a more viscous material to bond to both enamel and dentin. Is this something that is going to happen? I surely hope so, because otherwise we'd be wasting our time. That, this is what we do, and we want to see these things succeed, you know, and everybody's working hard from their very own end, and, but I think that the future is what I just described. No, that was interesting, but it seems to me, you know, back in the day when David Pashley did his research, I'm sure you read a lot of his stuff, the hybrid layer uh, concept, it's been around a long time. You know, the collagen being integrated yeah. in with the adhesive, making sure the collagen doesn't collapse, forming that hybrid layer. Um, but that's just based on the fact that that's the anatomy of the dentin. I mean, you can't, that's something that's not going to change. The anatomy of the dentin is, is here to stay. I was just wondering if there's any research that's going to change that paradigm in the near future. There is interesting research out there. Um, you know, it's kind of like when guys like David Pashley come out and, and, and and, and they throw to the world concepts like hybrid layer, him and, and Professor Nakabayashi from Japan, and, you know, they have that wonderful book. And then he goes on and works with Franklin Tay and starts talking about hydrophilicity of adhesives. And then, you know, he goes again, comes out and talks about matrix metalloproteinase and the effect on the degradation of the collagen fiber adhesive network. These are things that drive, that drive ongoing research, you know. So those guys, every time they publish, you have to read them because they provide a very interesting view of what's going on. The way I see it is we need to enhance what we have. We need to make it better. We need to make bonding better, stronger. We need to make bonding more, you know, long-lasting. We need to make bonding easier and more predictable. Did you know that uh, a, the average clinical performance life cycle of a composite in the United States is 5.7 years? So we need to make a composite last longer for everybody, not only for the masters and the super skillful clinicians, but for the everyday dentist that is working in the trenches. So that's where I think we need to, that, this is where I think we need to work for in, in, in from a research perspective. Many years ago, I heard the average lifespan of a crown was five years. So I don't know if that still holds <laughs> true. It seems a little bit short duration in my mind, but it, that's, that's what the number was back in the day. I, I'm sure it's increased at this point. So getting back to uh, more of what we were supposed to talk about on this podcast, you, you've addressed in a previous podcast how moist is moist, how wet is wet. You handled that very well in your previous podcast, which I encourage our listeners to tap into, which was titled The Causes of Postoperative Sensitivity. Dr. Nunez did a great job addressing those questions. Um, do, let me ask you this. Does the type of solvent in the adhesive play a part 
in post-operative sensitivity? Um, yes, it could. Um, so there are three types of solvents out there that I am aware of. You have ethanol, which is the most widely used solvent, and then you have acetone, which has been used for a long time, and you also have water as a solvent. All adhesives probably have water to a certain degree, but as a solvent, okay, as a solvent, as a carrier, you have um, these three different types. Acetone requires more moisture in the system to work better. Ethanol is a little bit more forgiving when it comes down to moisture. So those are things that you need to consider. And, and I'm not saying that one is better than the other, okay? I'm not saying that because that would be unfair and unethical. I, what I believe is that as a clinician, when you go from using something that is ethanol-based and then you go to a lecture and you listen to some key opinion leader talk about how his adhesive is working great for him and whatnot, and you decide to change adhesives, if you go from ethanol-based to acetone-based, you're going to also have to change your technique and your perception of moist dent. It, it, it's going to have to change in order for you to make that adhesive work good in your hands. So it's not so the solvent does have an effect on the approach to what is proper moisture. Uh, the question is, how do you determine proper moisture then based on the solvent that you switch to? Can you give us some guidelines on that? Well, I can. I, I, one thing I always tell people is if you see pool water, that's not good. That's not good. Um, you know, all of my life I have worked with ethanol based. So I have a very good feel of how the dentin should look. But in general, in general, your dentin should look shiny. You shouldn't have pooled water in any corner. You know, you should have just a shiny, even surface. And you can achieve that, like I mentioned before, using um, high suction, okay? You can achieve that. Some people use cotton pellets. Some people use foam pellets. Some people use some kind of, you know, absorbing paper or something. And that's fine. You know, that's a, all those things are what I like to call, you know, dental technique nuances, all right? However, I do believe in high suction provides proper moisture. And when I do bond strength tests using high suction, helps me achieve that level of moisture, regardless of whether I use an acetone-based or an ethanol-based adhesive. But I am not sure when it comes down to sensitivity because I don't recall ever using an adhesive that was acetone-based. In your opinion, it's probably worse to overdry the dentin, right? Versus leaving a little yeah. too much moisture. Do you agree with yeah, that? Absolutely. Okay, so absolutely. you do agree with that. Absolutely. Right. So now yes. what is the downside? We understand the downside of overdrying. We don't get the hybrid layer created because the collagenous fibers collapse and we don't get that integration of the adhesive into those collagen fibers that will create that hybrid layer that we need to protect the dental tubules. What about if you have too much moisture? How does that affect the bonding? Your bond strength is going to be low. What's the mechanism for that? I love podcasting, but every now and then I remember that having a slide helps, you know? <laughs> yeah, join the podcast revolution visually. here, doctor. Yeah, we're in the podcast time. All right. So, okay. So <laughs> when you look at dentin, dentin is dentin, you need for the adhesive to reach 
something called intertubular dentin and to penetrate inside the dentinal tubules. Intertubular dentin is just dentin that is located between dentinal tubules. That's why it's called intertubular, in the middle of, okay? So if you have a bunch of water, your adhesive is not, not, not going to be able to reach that intertubular dentin. Your adhesive maybe won't be able to seal the dentinal tubules. And if you don't seal dentinal tubules, you might have sensitivity. And if you don't um, reach intertubular dentin, your bond strength is not going to be good. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be optimized. Also, by leaving too much water, you're increasing the ability of the adhesive to hydrolyze because now you have a lot of water in the system. So when you light cure, basically you just light cure the polymer that it's embedded in the water. So now this polymer, this resin that you have light cured is going to be degraded by, these, by this excess water. Now in normal conditions, the water that comes from the dentin is going to degrade the adhesive layer. And regardless of the adhesive that you use, it doesn't matter. This is something that is gonna happen regardless. It's gonna happen. Okay, so imagine if you leave more water, you're going to accelerate that degradation. So you don't want to leave excess water for a variety of reasons, which I mentioned. And I'm sure if I start reading and, you know, and searching, you're going to find even more reasons why you should not leave excess water in the system before applying your bond. Okay, very well said, very well explained, even without a slide, see. Um, but you do do webinars on Viva Learning where we have slides. So you yes, have, you yes, have and, that, and I have those because... You let me use the slides. Yes. Yeah, there you go. So uh, Viva Learning offers both. If, you, if you're visual, you can watch a webinar. If you are like to listen in the car or in the gym, if we can get through this COVID-19 thing, we can actually go out again. I think you covered it very well. And um, I, I hope that our audience got some good insight onto some of the things to be aware of when doing bonding techniques and uh, different solvents and, and the mechanism by which these materials work. For more information from our sponsor, Visco, tremendous company, a leader in dental materials, and they sure know a lot about bonding and uh, adhesives and direct restoratives and uh, sensitivity products, just really good company that has tremendous research and development, and they have Dr. Nunez as their uh, manager of clinical affairs, so that says something. For more information from our sponsor, Visco, just uh, visit their website, visco.com, and you can find out information listen to webinars. There's all sorts of resources there, frequently asked questions. So feel free to visit. Thanks again, Dr. Nunez. And I know we have another podcast coming up soon, also related to post-operative sensitivity. I think it's discussing um, specifically the selective edge. So we'll see you on that one soon. Thank you for your invitation.